if you know that there's just something in you that's not being expressed, you're not fully self-expressed, or there's something that's holding you back, then find a really good life coach, somebody who is able to help you bring out the best in you and understand where your blind spots are. You're listening to the Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, and I've dedicated my entire life to helping people win, win in their careers, win in their businesses, and win in their lives. This podcast is going to help you get on your grind and hustle to create the life you love and walk in gratitude along the journey. Each episode, I'll teach you tools and tactics and bring you conversations with experts that will help you turn your passion into a thriving online business. Life isn't about wishing for something greater. It's about making it happen. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it. Here we are, everybody. Welcome to the Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, and I dedicated my life to helping people level up their lives and their businesses. Now, on this episode, we got a very, very special guest. We got my friend Tash Jeffries here, and she's going to chime in with all kinds of advice and stories and all kinds of things to kind of help you move through your life. But before we kind of jump into talking to Tash, Let me just uh, read a quick little bio that she has here. So Tash is the founder of Diversa Work, a company building AI-based technology aimed at increasing diversity of hires, specifically of women and people of color, within global startup tech startups. Uh, Most recently, Tash was an entrepreneur in residence with the 500 startups in their Saudi Arabia Accelerator program, and she still supports founders and startups across the MENA, Middle East, North Africa region. Uh, She's a digital and social media strategist that works globally and calls Nova Scotia, Canada, her home. Welcome to the show, Tash. Thanks so much for having me. Hello, everybody. So great to see you virtually. (laughs) It's all virtual. And, you know, one thing I forgot to mention is that Tash and I have known each other for like 25 years. So she's a great friend of mine. You know, just because she's a good friend doesn't mean that I would have her here just because of that. I brought her here because she has some great information that's going to help all of you figure figure out your life, you know, move through entrepreneurship and all that good stuff. So how are you doing, Tash? I am always doing amazing when I get to sit down and chat with you, Danny. Like these are the things that I look forward to in the year, in the weeks. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, this is awesome. Yeah, we always have great conversations. We um, do. You know, one of the things that I kind of wanted you to start with is, you know, you're a sales and marketing strategist. Yes. And what is that? And th- what is that? And how do you kind of help people? Sure. Um, sales and marketing strategist, the, the best way to think of it is I understand what your product is, what the value is that you bring to people and try to find you the shortest path to getting people to say yes to what it is that you do. Uh, So one of the biggest things that I do, especially when I work with tech startups, doesn't matter whether they have um, software as a service type um, product or if it's a physical product or if it's another technology, I help companies be able to figure out what's the value you're really giving to people and how do you lay it out as clear as possible in one go. So literally, you're just moving them from one step to the next, to the next, to the next, until you get a definitive yes and you get that contract signed and you get that money in your account. And so one of 
listen, it's all about that money. And so one of, one of my biggest things that I've uh, been doing with startups, especially if they're working in the corporate arena and trying to get those, because they tend to be long, like six month, 12 month sales cycles. Uh, one of the biggest things that I've learned to do is be able to shorten sales cycles from anywhere from 50 to 75%. So if uh, companies come to me and it's taking them six months to sign a contract, in the usual case, I'll drop that down to two months uh, through a series of steps and um, streamlined and repeatable processes that help them to actually speed up their sales and most importantly, deliver value to their customers. Because I mean, ultimately, that's why we buy things, right? You're giving some kind of value, whether it's something intangible and something perceived or it's something real, like it's a good or, you know, you're delivering a product. Uh, so that's pretty much what I do. And um, I love it. it. I love it. But you said the key word, though, I think it's value. You know, when Absolutely. I know a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who have this aspiration to be entrepreneurs and it's always about the money. And I think it's about leading with value. Right. And wouldn't you say that's the case in every single circumstance, like when you can show people that they're getting something from whatever it is that you're doing and you outline that like right from the beginning, right from jump. One of the first things that I usually tell people uh, when they're in the sales arena is, you know what, you can start providing value from that first touch point. So whether you're online and it's a downloadable guide for something related to what you're doing, that's value. You can do it from that first call if they decide to then want to book an appointment. You can give value there by sharing your expertise and telling them something that they don't know. And so it's these little things that you can drop in, depending on what you're doing, that help to show people and your customers all the time, like, I have something to give you. I don't care if you really buy the end product. I'm going to show you things that are going to better your business, uh, better yourself if you're working in the, the wellness arena. But you're, you're giving something before they've even paid for it or signed a contract. And you're right. Value is key at every step. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I think a lot of people sometimes hold on to information and we're living in an information age. Like people can get information, but the problem is it's not packaged up in a way that they understand. So if you can even do that, they'll see that value. Thank you for giving me this free download, this free video, having this consultation, right? When you provide that before they're even a client, they're thinking once I become a client, I'm going to get even more value, right? Well, well, this is it. And it's almost like a teaser, right? If people can get a sample of what you're doing before they've even signed a contract. And one of the things that I, I walk my companies through when they start working with me is I'm like, take me along that sales journey and that sales process and show me how you do. And what I end up showing them is like, even right down to the last contract before they get that money, they end up finding that their close rate either doubles and sometimes it triples because I show them how they can put that value right into that document where you're showing that you listen. So you're, you know, spitting right back at them what they said their problem was, but then you're taking it to the next level and you're saying, this is what I think your problem is. And what's better, here's the solution that I've outlined and it's going to do this, this, this. And when people start seeing how your brain is working, they get a sense for how you work. And so you're more likely to close the sale because most people usually say it doesn't matter what line of work it's in. They're like, I've never seen someone do this like this. Right. And I'd say um, my understanding of how to 
process those and put those together is from my my seven years of consulting experience because well, literally I mean, that was so structured. You got to you got to pull it in there. Got to use it. I got, I've got to call you Doctor Tash. <laughs> you be di- dissecting these problems, and you, you know, know what I'm saying? <laughs> the doctor is I gotta in. Do. your new name is Doctor Tash. Okay, so Doctor Tash. So like, what is it like? Because you, you, you said that you were an entrepreneur in residence for 500 startups. Yes. Talk a little bit about that whole experience, like what, what 500 startups is and where you were working. Absolutely. So um, 500 startups overall, uh, it might be known, uh, but they're a, a VC firm. So they fund startups. Varying sizes, anywhere from pre-seed all the way up to, I believe we've got some startups in the series A, B, and sequential range. But usually we find people when we're at the startup phase or the the pre-seed or seed stage. And what we also do is we have various accelerator programs globally where we take and incubate uh, startups and help them to actually raise their seed round. And also we do uh, some work with Series A size companies as well. Uh, But then we also educate other investors around the world to show them how to deal with actual startups and founders and how to make sure that they're creating these fair deals. Because, and again, it's the reason why I decided to go work in in Saudi Arabia. So that's an ecosystem that's new and up, up and coming. And I, I call it the, the Silicon Desert <laughs> because I think it has the potential to actually be a huge hub, um, especially for people of color and um, uh, women as well. Uh, but we actually help across the ecosystem of startups um, and tech to help educate founders and investors wow. and accelerator managers, people who want to run programs similar to how we do. Um, and we help them get established and understand the processes and help them put their own processes but in that, place. That's crazy. Support so, the community. That's crazy. Like, how did you end up in Saudi Arabia? How did uh, you, a black woman from... Canada, Nova Scotia, right? Canada ended up in Saudi Arabia. Like how, how did that happen? Right. So let me take a step back here. So um, I'd spent uh, a large, um, over a decade in Toronto. And then my husband at the time, now my ex, uh, but he wanted to come back to Nova Scotia, which we did in 2015. And then early in 2016, he was like, let's go to Silicon Valley. Let's be in the heart of it. And so uh, we ended up living there. And in the process of living there, his company got accepted into batch 22 of 500 startups as one of the um, pre-seed companies. And when they got accepted in, this would have been in 2017, I became a mentor. So I've been mentoring with various companies in 500 startups in the entire portfolio uh, since 2017. And then in, it must have been, yeah, it would have been January of 2019, because that's when I first started going down to Saudi. I got reached out to by a colleague. She's now one of my dearest friends, and she's still a colleague as well. But at the time, she was like, you just fit the perfect match. You've worked with 500 startups, so you know how we work. You've been a mentor with us. You've been a startup founder, which I was. I was a part of uh, two startups, including that startup. The startup, which was called Taza, was a technology that my ex had built for women, specifically in the MENA region, in the Middle East and North Africa. And so she was like, you have everything. Oh, my goodness. 
There is an accelerator program that's launching in Saudi. It's the first one of its kind. Did you want to go? And literally it was like five days. (laughs) (laughs) I had five days to make like, to like, if I said yes, I had five days to prep. And so I did say yes. I checked it out. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen over here, but let's go see. And to be quite honest, it's, it was the start of one of the most amazing journeys of my life. I think I did more traveling before COVID hit in the year and a half that I was commuting back and forth between Canada and Saudi. I think I traveled more in that year and a half than the previous five years. But, but Tash, what, what was it like? That's a big leap. Like when, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this are going to be like, I, I live wherever I live in the world, but to jump up and go halfway around the world to work in a country, I don't even know. Like what, what, yeah, what, what was it your mind to be just like, yep. In five days, by the way, right, five. Right. So like, what, like, what made you make the decision? Like, I'm doing this. Right. So there's, there were a few things. So first of all, wh- one of the, the biggest things was I had known 500. I had worked with them before, but it was usually just a few hours a week when you're mentoring uh, other portfolio companies. Right. But this was a chance for me to really get in and understand how the program works understand and get to interact with more of my team members. And most importantly, I know that the work that I do with startups works because I had seen it working in San Francisco when I was mentoring the companies there. And I thought, hmm, this is really a big opportunity. Now, mind you, I had, I don't know how many interventions with family members were like, you're not going over there. It's a Muslim country. You grew up Christian. They don't like women. What are you doing? But I had to, first of all, I'm a risk taker, and I think that's a huge thing. Uh, Being an entrepreneur and a startup founder, you have to be. Because, I mean, even for the fact that you're trying to build something that has not existed before in the way that you're building it, you're, you're a pioneer. And so I thought, this is a huge chance for me to further my career. For me to do what I love, first and foremost, because I love working with founders who are so energetic and they're passionate about what it is, the problem they're trying to solve. And so I love that. And I get to experience a whole new culture. And I've been wanting to work in the MENA region in the Middle East for a lot, like, yeah, at least five years. And so I thought, all of these things are aligning, and this is not by, by chance, really. This has been years of me like lining up all of these experiences in my life, saying that I wanted to do this and holding that intention. And then when the opportunity came up, I was like, it's not a question. I'm going, okay, so let's start closing up the house. I had a house in in Stuyak at the time and let's shut it down. Let's get stuff going. Let's just prepare for this trip. But it's literally, it was just about, this was an opportunity to do things that I'd always said I wanted to do. And it was extremely risky, mind you. Again, all the stories that we probably hear about what happens in Saudi. And so at that point in time, I had just seen the stories in the media and it wasn't that great. But I'm like, I want to see for myself. So I'm going to take that risk and I'm going to go and see what happens. And again, it was a, it was a game changer and a life changer. So how, how has that experience kind of changed your, changed your life? Like how is working over there and, and experiencing the, the culture in Saudi, how, uh, how did that change your life? Well, first of all, or has it, I should say, it absolutely has changed my life. And the first thing I want to say is, I've, I mean, and we, we talk about this, Danny, all the time where it's not about don't listen to everything you hear because people can talk, 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 talk all they want. But if they don't have the experience and they've never been there, 
then what are they talking about? They're just talking out of thin air. It, it's, it's useless. And so the first thing that I realized is that when I got there and I started experiencing the culture and I started working with people, I realized that all the stories that we got over here in North America was garbage. First of all, women were driving. Not everybody wore hijab, so I could wear my hair exactly how it is. We do wear a bias, except just before I had left, a bias were optional, so you didn't have to do that. Men were not chauvinistic. I felt more appreciated and acknowledged for my skills than I ever did in Silicon Valley. And so it opened my eyes to this whole new culture, this whole new way of living, understanding the Muslim culture and faith and how they engage and how they do business and like prayer throughout the day. Boy, I won't even tell you. That was a hard one to get used to. Everything shuts down. So you want a coffee? Ain't happening. You want food? Ain't happening. You better learn how to bring stuff because <laughs> everything just shuts down. So it, was, it took getting used to, but it opened my eyes to be able to understand a whole new culture, a whole new way of life. And again, it gives me exposure to how to deal with startups in that portion of the world as well, because things operate really differently. For instance, not everybody is using all the social media accounts how we use them here in North America. North America, we're very free. We're very open. People use WhatsApp over there. So if you're trying to build a, a campaign, a promotional campaign, get WhatsApp for business and use that because that's where everybody is. Mm. And so it's just understanding there's a different way of operating in business and different um, standards. But it was it was super eye-opening. And yeah, I would go right back to the don't believe anything you hear. If you really <laughs> want to know it, yeah. go and find out yourself. And until you do that, just take all, like be appreciative of people who want to give feedback and tell you how it is and say, thank you, appreciate it. I know this is done in love. And then set it right aside because it was nothing, absolutely nothing like what I was expecting when I landed over there. Wow. So how you obviously grew up in Canada. So you worked in Toronto, you worked in Silicon Valley, yeah. and then you went to Saudi. Like yeah. how would you, as a black woman, how would you kind of uh, describe those experiences in those three places? Like was, were there some things that were the same? Was it different? Like what was your experience like working in Canada, you know, the U S and Silicon Valley and then Saudi? Wow, that's an interesting and loaded question. So one of the things I found when working in Canada that happened a lot is that if you hear me and you've never seen me, I'm kind of nondescript in the sense that you can't really tell my ethnicity, my background, what have you. And I found a lot of times in Canada, there was an initial shock, like, oh, I think a lot of people expected me in the business world when they met. I had been working with clients for, you know, six months, eight months, and then I'd finally have an in-person meeting and they'd just be kind of like, whoa, okay, you're <laughs> totally not what I pictured from on the phone. <laughs> it's like, that's okay. I never am. And it's so funny too, because I'm also, I'm five feet tall. Apparently people think when they're talking to me on the phone, like I'm this six foot tall, if they do get that I'm a black woman and it's come up, yeah. they expect me to be this big Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> because you have a big personality. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's, um, I found in Canada, it was just, they were just surprised. But in Silicon Valley, quite honestly, I found way more than I expected, a lot of condescension. 
And again, it was one of those things where you have this Canadian born and raised and indigenous black woman, and she's very well educated and very articulate and she's a go-getter and she's, you know, fearless. Um, There's a sense I got of intimidation there. And that's what I got in general from Silicon Valley. So it wasn't necessarily the greatest experience, but again, it fueled my startup and the work that I'm doing now, to be quite honest with you. And then when I got to Saudi, I found, first of all, I'll be quite honest, I wasn't expecting to find Black people over there. And there <laughs> are so, I swear, I ran into people who are doppelgangers of family members. I'm just like, how am I seeing my cousins over here? I'm, I'm sorry, what country am I in? And so there are a lot of Black folk over there. And, uh, and a lot of people who actually self-identify as Black Saudi. And so I found when I went over there, there was a almost like this instant sense of your home. This is, yeah. this is a home for you. Yeah. And um, when it came to doing business, like engaging with people in the business community, they were so, I felt completely different in that. I felt an instant respect. They're like, wow, you came over here knowing what you did and still ventured here. And they're like, we know our country. We love it here, but it takes, it takes some chutzpah, takes some guts to come over regardless of what that news is over there. And then when you're there, you just are welcomed. I felt so welcomed when I was there and acknowledged for the expertise that I do bring. And I must tell you, it was such a refreshing experience because again, if I had listened to what I was hearing before I went over there, it would have stopped me from going. Right. Right. So have you always been like that? Does this just kind of like follow your intuition or listen to yourself or like, you know, or, or have there been times where people really talked you out of something, you know, that you really wanted to do or experience? So I think it's one of those things where I knew from a young age that I, and I mean, I've just always known that I was different. And I was one of those people who was just like, Tasha, you're going to have to find your own way because your path is not going to look like everybody else's. And so since, and I think I really felt that since I was like five, because it was about at the age of five. So for anyone who doesn't know, there's a long history about my background, but I was adopted by my aunt. And so my brothers and sisters are my cousin by blood. Go wrap your head around that one for a little (laughs) bit. Listen to it again, because a lot of my friends were like, what? How does that work? And, um, you know, I was in honors programs and, and, uh, you know, I played the piano and was winning all kinds of prizes at the Conservatory of Music and things like that. And so um, from a young age, I was always like just different. And I had learned that if you don't embrace that difference, like the fact that I was adopted the first day of school, I'll never remember it. I had, I had kids I went to school with saying, ha ha, you're adopted. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> my parents wow. were super smart and explained to me how I came about and how I was raised. And I knew who my, my, my birth mom was. She's my, my aunt, raised as my aunt, but she's my birth mom. And so I knew all that. And so I learned early on that people will take anything out and try to hurt you, but they won't hurt me. Yeah. And so I just knew from a very early age that I was just going to have to take some chances and do things a little bit differently. And that was the shortest one. And then I got skipped a grade. So I was even shorter and always the youngest and all this other, other, other. And so I just learned from an early age that I need to just follow my gut in life because when I do, 
really awesome things happen. And so I used that philosophy even when I was younger. And there were years where it didn't seem like everything was going to work out, but I still have trust and faith. And that was something I was lucky and so blessed about that I was raised in a family that taught me what, you know, trust and faith is all about, right? Raised up with, you know, a Christian home and grandmothers, you know, the deaconess of your church and stuff. (laughs) You you don't learn trust and faith, boy. (laughs) You know, yeah, I get that part. But at the same time, like knowing that you're, you're, you were being raised by your aunt, like, you know, that's, you know, for a lot of people, they would be, they'd be thinking, well, my mother gave me up. So, you know, it would, might be the opposite where you don't trust people, right? They could yeah, go, they could have went the opposite way. Well, you know what? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot, too many people to count who might've had that, but let me tell you something. I was blessed in that my brothers and sisters are my brothers and sisters. They had never, even now, never at one point did they not make me feel like I was a brother or sister. My mom, I swear, if you saw our bond, you'd think that I came from her because our bond was that strong. And last and most least, uh, not least, is that If I needed anything, especially when it came to my education, when it came to school, when it came to anything to help me further and get a good established footing in life, everybody in my family made sure I had it. My mom and dad, of course, especially, but like I didn't, you know, I was called spoiled when I was growing up. I don't (laughs) care. And I was even in the hood. I'm from, don't get it twisted, folks. I'm from Uniac Square, right in the north end of Halifax. And I still... If if there was something, especially for my education, my parents always supported that, always did. And so I I always felt that support and that love and always, always had that sense of sense of belonging that some people might not have. I had it from day one. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I think that's great. So do you think like do you think like that was the foundation for you to kind of be who you are? Like did that help to mold you to into like having this confidence about yourself or this big personality? Like, do you think all of that kind of led to where you are right now, that, that upbringing that you had, or was it, it, was it something you developed later on? So, so funny enough, what I think, what I think happened is I had that strong foundation and having that strong sense of security and love and acknowledgement and support um, when I was younger was great. Then. Really, I had my 20s, horrifying. Even <laughs> mid-30s, horrifying. Sense of sense of confidence and sense of self. It's so funny for people who've, who've met me in my later stages of life. They're like, yeah, you were shy when you were a kid, number one. And number two, you weren't this confident when you were in high school, university, when you were working. And that, I think I had a series of self-reflection and education moments. Like there was something that I think actually helped me to pull all of the foundation that I learned earlier together. Cause there was a period of time where I wasn't using none of it. I was smart. Yes. I had good jobs and was building my career. Yes. But I was missing that confidence piece and, and missing that piece to actually just go out there and do it. And I did a program called um, Landmark, Landmark Education, Landmark Forum. And I went through a series of those programs. And I think that was when I started to embrace the fearlessness and just like, listen, I got one life. If Mm. I get an opportunity, I don't care what it is. I'm going to say yes. 
Yeah. Uh, if I think I'm only, I've only got 50% of what it takes to do, I'm going to say yes. And if they give it to me, I'm going to take it. You know, if I get an opportunity to experience something that I think is going to make me in, help me be a better person and help me be more of a citizen of the world, then again, I may only have 50% of it, but I'm going to go for it. And if I get it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the opportunity. No, I'm going to move there. I, I like that. If you want to build your brand and reach more people around the world, join the driver's seat membership program today and get coaching tools and resources that you need to build your brand, launch or grow your business and make a greater impact in the world. Each month you will get live coaching from me, coach Danny stone on topics from how to write a book, to launch a podcast, to find the right business idea, to scaling your business. If you're ready to live a more impactful life and build your legacy, Go to IamDannyStone.com slash membership today to learn more and get in the driver's seat. What would you say to somebody right now who maybe doesn't have a, a, a high self-esteem or a lot of confidence in themselves? What, would, what kind of advice would you give them? Say, well, first of all, if you find a program like that, and Landmark is just one of many. There are many programs that are built to help you get out of your own way understand where your blind spots are in life and just move forward and be your best self. Uh, but another good way you can do that is by, if you know that there's just something in you that's not being expressed, you're not fully self-expressed, or there's something that's holding you back, then find a really good life coach, somebody who is able to help you bring out the best in you and understand where your blind spots are. Like for instance, one of my biggest blind spots was I had for years and years and years, I thought I was ugly. And it, I talk about this a lot when I do speaking globally because I think it's super important, especially for women and women of color here. I had had this, this message in my head that I'm ugly. I don't need to be standing in front of people. Mm. I shouldn't be out in the front for anything or the poster child or the poster woman for anything. Right. And when I came back and I actually dissected what it came from, it came out from the fact that when I was younger, my older brothers, especially my oldest one, Tony, he used to tell everybody in the neighborhood, listen, you can be friends with my sister, but you can't touch her. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, he was being protective. And so right. all the guys I had grown up with when I, I never dated in high school, I never even dated in university for that matter, for the most oh. part. But when you're in those formative years and you're in your teen years, and you date and you have your first love and all that kind of stuff. I had never experienced any of that. And so I had thought, oh my gosh, there must be something wrong with me. Uh, and come okay. to find out, my brother had just been protecting me, all of them actually, and just being like telling everybody in the neighborhood, like, yep, yeah, don't even think about it because you're going to have to deal with me. And so when I actually dissected that, and I was like, huh. Different view on everything, and I literally started looking at myself differently and saying, Oh, yeah, you're actually, yeah, you kind of fly, girl. Okay, okay. So, like, was it like a lot of like self talk? Because, like, when I, when I meet people who you know, we both have big personalities and so yes. on, and when I meet people who you know, people often ask me, like, How are you so confident, or how do you have this, like, you know, your this self esteem or the way that you carry yourself? You know, you just attract people and and how did yes. you do that and i was like you i was i was shy growing up i was quiet you know and it was a certain point because 
I grew up in a loud family, right? So me too. people are always loud in my, and I was kind of this shy, quiet person. And I think sports and being a DJ and all that kind of stuff kind of helped me come out of my shell. But like, I tell people like, you have to wake up in, in this, uh, like I say, morning ritual, like the way that you talk to yourself in the mornings, the way that you start your day. Like when you look in the mirror, you know, you have to talk yourself up, right? You have to be like, man, I'm amazing. I'm a handsome guy. I'm, you know, wealth is coming my way, you know? And I think a lot of people just think when they see somebody who's confident, oh, they just had it. And I think it's important for people to know that, you know, we had to grow into confidence and that's through a lot of self-talk. That's through coaching. That's through surrounding ourselves with people that lift us up. Listen, Danny, I couldn't have said it better myself. It is it is a daily ritual or routine or whatever you want to call it that each and every day I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror and I admire and marvel at my own beauty. Now, that might sound like, oh, you fool yourself. It's not. But if you can't tell yourself you're beautiful, who you think is going to tell you that you're yeah. beautiful? And so it was one of the things that I did. And then once I started doing that, I realized my beauty to myself started getting enhanced. And it also does something where it makes you always want to be your best. Like I tell people, especially when COVID hit and we started doing virtual work, right? Like people would be like, uh, you know, showing up and hair's not done and no makeup <laughs> on. I'm like, dude, lady, go make sure you look your best. When you're looking your best, you can feel your best and you can bring out your best. And so even if I'm honestly, I'm going to lie to you. If it's even a day where I'm going out and I'm mowing my lawn, I'm done up. Yeah. If I see neighbors, they're like, how are you dressed up to go <laughs> mow your lawn? Because <laughs> I'm like, I doing it for none of y'all. I do it for me. And if that's something that I need to do on any given day so that I can be a reminder to myself that I'm beautiful, I'm worthy, I'm amazing, I'm special then I do it. And so for all of you who are listening, you need to have a daily ritual where you like, literally you make love to yourself. You're like, I am all that. As Lizzo says, I'm my own soulmate. Like you have to fall in love with yourself. You really do. And it's the little things. It's how you treat yourself. Like I don't have anything ready at night. I go to bed looking like top notch. And again, it's one of those things that I do for myself. Even if I didn't have a partner, I do it for me because I want to feel loved and cherished by myself. And I think it's super important to have those daily rituals and not to let it slip. You might have one or two days, you get busy, you just fall asleep in your clothes and like stuff like that. But for the most part, like commit to making yourself feel special and loved. I think that's where a lot of kind of um, just sadness, a lot of lack of self-esteem, a lot of, you know, lack of self-confidence comes in because we put that on other people. Like we expect other people to make us happy. We expect other people to make us successful, to give us joy, to give us peace of mind. Like you own your own happiness. You own, you're the owner of your story, right? Like absolutely. Just like your story. People come into your story and, and they can help to, enhanced your story but like i think we have to get back to like giving to ourselves and loving ourselves and being kind and gentle to ourselves absolutely absolutely and i you know one of the things that i i'd heard oh my goodness i'm blanking on her name she's a she's a she's a life coach and she's a speaker lisa nichols yes 
Lisa Nichols, she was talking about the fact that when it comes to, you have to fill up your own cup first. You shouldn't be given to others when your cup is a half full or it's almost empty. And then you're going to try and give what you got. Then everything comes from a scarcity point of view. And it's the same with your self-love, your self-talk, being kind to yourself. Your cup has to be overflowing. And the thing is, it's like you were saying earlier, Danny, then you're going to draw people to you because people are going to see that you live in such a world of abundance and your energy is overflowing and your success is overflowing. And, you know, the opportunities that you have are overflowing and people are going to be naturally drawn to you and say, oh, okay, she's got her stuff together. He's got his stuff together. Then I want in on that train. What are they up to? And, you know, how, how can I be a part of that world? I always fill up your own cup. And it was something that when I heard it, I literally used that to translate to every single area of my life, not just the physical and my health, my mental, my relationships, my financial, mm-hmm. my career. I got, listen, I always got to be bringing it because nobody else can be, if you're not bringing it, why, why would somebody else want to Yeah, bring your A game yeah. all the time? Yeah. Be ready. Uh, I think as, you know, as individuals or, you know, especially with entrepreneurs, like a lot of times we put other things ahead of our, ourselves, ahead of our own health and wellness and our own relationships and so on. And I think, you know, most of the time we don't give those things attention until they start to fall apart. You know, like you're as an entrepreneur or not even an entrepreneur, just in your life, you're you're chasing money or your career or whatever. And then you just spend all your time and energy around that. And then you wake up one day and your partner's unhappy or gone. And you're like, oh, where did they go? You're you're 50 pounds overweight. And, you know, and then you're trying to figure things out. So I think sometimes we have to kind of like step back and say, like, where am I at in my life? And this area of my life needs more attention, this area, and and start like giving back to yourself before you try to run out there and be, you know, be everything to everyone or or to live this kind of, um, this type of lifestyle that you think people want you to live. Listen, Danny, and it's so funny because this is another chance for me to tell a cautionary tale to anybody who's listening. (laughs) You know this because you, I remember you being there, you and Trudy, around the time when this happened, uh, when I was working in consulting, this was actually the impetus or the driver for me to actually become a founder. I had had a very stressful year. I lost one of my brothers, almost lost another brother. This would have been starting in February of 2011. And then in December of 2011, I got viral meningitis. I'd been working around the clock. I'd been doing consulting. I was stretching myself beyond my limits. I was living on fumes. I wasn't paying attention to my diet. I was super stressed with family stuff. There was just a whole lot going on. And then when I got sick and I viral meningitis, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a swelling in your spinal cord. And literally just imagine having a migraine, but you're feeling that pain shooting through every single inch of your body. And when that happened, I was faced with that choice of what have I been doing and how did I get to this point? Do I want to live the rest of my life like this? Do I want to keep going down this path? And I literally had to make some instantaneous changes in my life when I was on my road to recovery. And that was one of the the reasons why I became an entrepreneur because I realized I can't keep 
living that kind of lifestyle. I need to put wellness back first and foremost in my life. I need to take care of my health and my mental well-being as well. I need to nurture my relationships and those people who mean the most to me. And I can't do that if I keep working these crazy hours and working according to somebody else's dream for me. Nope. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out what my own dream is for myself. And I, I use that to tell people, like, if you feel like you're starting to get burned out or you're feeling like, like nothing matters and nothing looks right, nothing feels right. And you're just feeling empty. Cause I was feeling empty for a while and just kept pushing it down and trying to ignore it. Right. If you get any of those feelings, like reach out for help. There's people who are always here who can help you make sure you get the resources and please don't let a horrifying health incident be, you know, the, the driver for you getting your life and getting back in control of your life. No, that's a good point because, you know, uh, I used to work in the corporate world and I used to see so much sick leave and stress leave. And but at the end of the day, it's a job, right? If something right? happens to you or you leave and you, and you leave that company, they're just going to replace you with somebody else. And I, 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 I've seen people give everything to their jobs and either fall ill or get let go. And I think that's a great lesson. Like you have to put yourself and your family first, your career and your business are second, right? And, you know, unfortunately, you had to realize this through falling ill, you know, like that whole experience, like taught you, like, I can't work for somebody else. I need to be in control of my own livelihood, my own health and so on. And that's kind of what led you into entrepreneurship. So in terms of your health, right, like, what did you do to kind of turn that around? So one of the the great things I can say that if you, you haven't discovered one, I had one of the best naturopaths in the world. Shout out to Dr. Erin Wiley in downtown Toronto. Her and her team were amazing. And uh, she helped me to really get my immune system. And again, this is one of the things that can happen. If you start running your body down and you're super stressed and you're, you've always got stress hormones going through your body, you can wreck your immune system. And so she helped me get my immune system back up and get my body all back to normal. And honestly, I've, I've stayed on that regimen to this day. I mean, I, I say, you know, very eat lots of vegetables. People always make fun of me. They're like, are you a rabbit? Why are you eating all this green stuff all the time? And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to be here for another 40, 50, 60 years if I can. So I'll, I'll, whatever it takes. Um, and my health is first and foremost, one of those things that I don't sacrifice for anyone, just like sleep now too. I don't sacrifice that for, for anyone. If I got an all nighter to pull one or maybe two days, then you ain't going to see me for three, four days. Peace. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> like catching up on that sleep after those uh, those two days of uh, working you, straight. Yeah, you can't you can't just say, oh, I'm just gonna you know keep going back at the regular. No, you you gotta recover in whatever way that you need to do, and that's one of the things that I also bring into my work with founders. I show them ways of being able to deal with the the rigor needed to be a founder. Like you're gonna, there are possibly some overnights, but you need to build a team around you so that when you do that for the health and the sake of the company, your team member knows, okay, well, we got you then you do what you need to do. And then we'll, we'll, you know, 
after Friday, we'll see you on Tuesday or we'll see you on Monday and then just unplug and just do whatever you need to do to fill yourself back up, which is super important as well for all of you who are listening. You need to understand what helps you fill up that cup, right? I mean, we talk about this a lot, Danny, and what do you do during your recovery? And so one of my odd ones, well, most people find it odd, I think it's quite normal, is I have puzzles. So I will sit, I'll have Seinfeld, or friends or like scandal or something in the background and I will just do puzzles. And for me, that's a way for my mind. My mind will still be working, but it's in an easy way. It's a flowing way. I'll, you know, be thinking of family members and, and good memories and when I was growing up and great experiences I've had when traveling. And it's my way of being able to get into a state where it's almost like a meditative state without meditating, but I think good thoughts and I feel good and I'm just relaxed and I just let my brain go where it needs to go, but it always leaves me feeling super rejuvenated. And so all of us need to have those practices where we can literally just fill up your cup and, you know, feel like that vibrancy and that optimism and that life really is good. Think about the good things that you have around you. I sit and I think about, oh my gosh, You know, I I have friends who love me and I think about everybody and I send them good wishes. And it's funny enough when you're in that state of mind where you're sending love to people, it can boost you. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, even in the most difficult times, we have to learn to be grateful because look at you woke up today. Let's start with that. But you have a roof over your head. You, You may still have something to eat. Like there's so many things to be grateful for. And I think, um, you know, I, would, I just mentioned this um, a few days ago. It's like when you're stuck in all you can see is the problem and you can't find a solution until when? Until you calm your mind, until you relax your mind. And then when you're in that relaxed state, now you can get into solution mode. But a lot of that comes with what you're talking about, being able to find something that calms you. But it also comes with gratitude. Like oh, yes. when you look at the world through a lens of gratitude, because this is what happens. If you're, if you're a very pessimistic person, you miss opportunities, you miss relationships, you miss blessings because of your mindset. You're, you're, you're focusing on all the things that aren't working. And once you shift to like gratitude, it's like, oh, yeah, I do have good friends that I can call or, oh, I really just enjoy sitting out in the backyard reading or, oh, you know, I, I didn't know that my cousin works at this place. So maybe I can speak to them about a job like you can't see all of those things unless you're grateful, you know. Gratitude is one of those things that I tell people, it's free. (laughs) Do more stuff that's free. And if you really think about it, there's probably thousand and one things that you can think of that are also free that help you be grateful. So for instance, one of my big things is, and especially now it's summertime in Nova Scotia, I'm sitting in front of my window and I see like a blue sky with some light and fluffy clouds. And it sounds like so small and so trivial, but that will make me smile and keep me happy all day long. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I love that. You know, I go outside on my, on my back deck and I literally just listen to the birds. And that might annoy some people, but for me, it's like, geez, I'm hearing wildlife in my own backyard. That's a blessing. That's I'm grateful for every single second of this, and I just breathe it all in. I love um, that. I love it. It's just whatever. There's so many free things, right? And there's, oh, there's one big one that I learned from actually my girlfriend, Jenna. Shout out to Jenna Smith in Toronto, too. Amazing life coach, if you ever need one. 
she had taught me that um, sometimes you just need grounding. You just need to reconnect with the world and the energy and just be settled. And she showed, she said, anywhere where there's grass, so simple, on the ground. So down on one of the main streets in downtown Toronto, you know that strip on University Avenue? Yep. There's like a green pathway in the middle. So when I lived in Toronto, I would literally just go there because it was usually very close to where I was working from and places that I needed to commute. I would go and walk along the green strip down on University Avenue in my bare feet. Now, were there people who were looking at me like I was crazy? Yes. Don't care. I felt so grounded. And it's so funny. In that strip, I felt this this very unique connection to my mother for some reason. And so I would literally go down that strip and I would talk to my mom and I would just I'd I'd walk out a completely different person. 20 minutes, sometimes just five if that's all I had. But it would set me and my energy and my perspective in such a place of gratitude because I would just be there and like in the middle of this city, there is this patch of green where I can go and just feel my energy and just, again, filling up my cup. Yeah. And honestly, I could walk there from anywhere. I lived on Lower Simcoe. I could walk there from anywhere in the city. My office on Spadina, I could walk there. So it was free. I think we all have to find our happy place, you know, whatever that is. And, and some of us don't know what it is and some of us do, but you know, the, for me, the whole goal in life is to play more in that happy place than every other place. So, you know, for me, it's like there's certain, you know, I love to go to Jamaica. That's one of the places I like to go. It's because I have family there. You know, there's just certain people I like to be around like yourself. And it just feels like, you know, we've all known each other forever. And then like, that's my happy place, like entertaining, cooking for people. And, and so I think the goal in life for all of us should be to like, one, find your happy place. Like what's that happy place? Who are the people that are there with you? And the other thing is we're born to serve. So what can you do to, to use your skills and your passion to serve more? And those are the two things that I think that a big majority of our life is about finding that happy place and being able to play to that more and then finding it out, like how to use your gift or your superpower to, to help more people. Listen, I, I, I love both of those things. You're happy, finding your happy place. And I would say keep experimenting until you find multiple happy places, yeah. because especially over the past few weeks, and Danny knows I, you know, sometimes with family, you get challenged, <laughs> That's you, you true. know, you, you, you get, you get tested. Yeah. Um, and so I've had to pull from multiple happy places because there are times when the first one you got don't work. So you got to keep going down that list, That's but you keep point. going until you find something that helps you to shift back into that good, positive, optimistic, gratitude filled energy in that space. You need to have those ways to find your happy place. So have multiple ones because there are days when some might give out. It's just, this is life, right? Life is unpredictable. And when it comes to the the serving part, I cannot stress more. I mean, there were years during my entrepreneurship life where all I did was serve and nothing was coming through. I was like literally just making enough to get by. And people were like, why do you keep doing this? Because it seems so stressful. And I said, listen, there's a plan and I I just keep moving forward. And if I'm around people, need my help, they're going to get it. If I can, if I can give it and I have it in me and the ability to give, I will give. Now there is one caveat, which is 
super important if you're working for yourself, if you're a founder and, and you also um, just want to be in this space and want to work for yourself, know the difference between giving and serving and underselling and undervaluing yourself because mm -hmm. that's a hard lesson I had to learn as well where everybody wants a piece of you, but it's like, yeah, but there are certain circumstances where I, listen, I don't come cheap. I let mm -hmm. people know, make sure you can afford me. Because yeah. No, it's true. I think <laughs> I, I value myself and that's the mix between, you know, serving and also being able to honor your, your, your value and honor yourself. Well, you said you said something really important there. Like, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's a struggle. And, and we all we've, you know, regardless of what stage you are in entrepreneurship. But I think in the beginning, too, like, you know, a lot of people think I, I just become an entrepreneur and the money starts rolling in. And like, what was it that kind of kept you going? Like, just keep serving and keep trying to build your business when things weren't looking that great. Like, did you know that eventually you'll get there? Like, how why did you keep going? Well, first of all, it goes right back to what we talked right at the beginning of, of, of the podcast, which is trust and faith. I have trust and faith in everything that I do. And I, and I trust that when my mind and my intuition and my gut tells me, keep going, I keep going. Even if it looks like it's not going to amount to something, I keep going. And I've just trusted that my entire life. Wow. And I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to do to have that much faith, but Faith is a part of life to me. You know, it's, it's one of those things where um, you, you just have to see the bigger picture. Um, and the next thing is, is that, and this is, I think this is key for any entrepreneur. If you're going to become a founder and start working for yourself, please don't just jump on the first thing that you think is going to make you a million dollars and make you a million bucks. Right. In the work that I've done to serve, I love it. And honestly, I would do it for free every day, all day. If one day soon I become a millionaire, then I will just help founders across the world. And I do it for free because I enjoy it. The, just the, the mere fact of sitting with founders, understanding who they are, understanding what lights them up and understanding what goals they have and how I can help them reach those goals. Mm -hmm. Just that process within itself and being able to bring out my toolkit and say, Here's a plan. This is what I think will get you there. Now go. Like yeah. that entire process of working with founders in that way just makes me come alive. I mean, it'll be, I've had meetings because I still have meetings with San Francisco and some with companies overseas in uh, Egypt and, and Saudi. And like, it can be like 4, 4 a.m. or 10 p.m. And I'll just be lit and like, all right, let's go. What can we do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's because I, the, the passion is there. So if you're going to take that journey to be an entrepreneur, please let there be passion involved. Because in some cases, that's all you got that's going to take you to that next step while you're not seeing results. And you just have to have that trust and faith that, you know, you're going to get that call and you're going to be ready when they yeah. say, listen, we're going to send you somewhere and you're going to do this kind of work. Like, <laughs> You've you know, got to be ready. No, I think that's amazing. Yeah, you definitely have to be passionate. You know, start with passion. Don't start with trying to chase money. So, Tash, like, you know, you, you have this great personality. You're good at coaching and all these things. So what, what would you say is your, your superpower? Like, if you had to choose something that is your thing, that you're really awesome at, your gift, what, like, what is it? Wow. Okay. I just got to pick one. 
Okay, hold on. Um, honestly, I think my superpower that has been the gift to me in personal, in professional, in business, and traveling the world is my ability. I get people. I get people like literally in the first 30 seconds. It's almost like I have a read on people. And not only that, but I'm super empathetic. So it doesn't matter what walk of life they are, they could be homeless. They could be a CEO of some big company, and I really don't realize that's who they are. It doesn't matter who they are and what walk of life, but I'm able to really read people and almost like show them real empathy and love from the first minute I meet them. And so it ends up helping me to build relationships super, yeah. super fast and super deep so that I can, you know, it's the reason I think I do the work that I do and working with founders, because in that situation, you got to get to know people. If you're working in an accelerator program and trying to help founders grow their company, first and foremost, you need to understand how they work, what they need, where their blind spots are and what they need to feel comfortable and safe. And my ability to build up that safety and that trust with people is almost instantaneous. Like you can't be in a room with me and like feel, Oh, she wants something. No, I'm giving, I'm going to make you feel like you're at home. I'm going to make you feel like you've known me your entire life. And most importantly, I'm here to help you. That's how I show up. And I think that translates into all of my life with my friendships, with my partner, you know, business relationships. And I think it's super useful. And I think if only people across the world built up that ability to have empathy just by 1%, mm -hmm. I think our world would look completely different I because agree. empathy, especially during COVID and, you know, and, and, you kind of have to be over the top. If you're going out and you're wearing masks everywhere and you've got a social distance, then your level of empathy has to be way up because it's it's just social distancing and everything comes in. So for me, uh, having that ultra sensitive sense of empathy and engaging with people, oh, it it's it's just that's my ninja skill. No, I think it's an amazing superpower. And I think you, you're right. The world would be a better place if people just were a little bit more empathetic and, and were just more in tune to people's emotions and feelings. And, and I think that's amazing. And it says a lot. I mean, we've been friends for a long time and I can definitely attest to like, that's just something that you're really great at. And when you have that, then obviously people are attracted to that. They're like, okay, well, I need to be around tax because she just gets me or she understands or I, no judgment. And I, I think that's what we need to kind of develop more. So like people are listening to you and they're like, man, Tash has great energy. You know, she's dropping some knowledge on us. But like, <laughs> but like has she ever been through like, and then you, you did talk about, you know, catching, you know, meningitis and, and so on. So would you say like that's the biggest, one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome or have you had to ever overcome like any other major challenges in your life? Oh man. I, listen, there's that. I've gone through divorce, which for anyone who's ever gone through that, that's a life changer right there. Like rediscovering yourself, being single, being a single person again, that's a huge challenge going through that. I've gone through challenges when I moved to Toronto when I moved again to San Francisco, um, Saudi was different. Saudi, I felt like instantly I just hit the ground running because it was so intense being there for a program and just so focused. But I mean, honestly, I mean, uh, another big thing that I think impacted my life was 
I lost my mom early. I lost my mom at 16. So that meant when I was starting university, I was out on my own. I was paying my own bills. I was in my own place. Like it was just pretty intense. At 16? So at 16. Yeah. And I think, you know, and then I've lost a lot of family members, like a lot, my older brother. And I just lost my oldest sister this March, March 10th. Sorry. Uh, March 6th, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's loss and there's tragedy in everyone's life. But I think what I'm going to say is every single person on this planet has a, a tough road to hoe. Like it's just, you've got your way, you've got your challenges and your tribulations and I've had my share, but I can tell you, I've met so many people who've had it way harder than I do. And so what I'll take it back to is say, when you have those kind of challenges in your life, I think the best thing for any of us to remember is what are those lessons that you've learned? If I could come back and which I do to all those challenges in my life, they're the lessons that I've learned from them are all positive things. Mm-hmm. They make me a better person. They make me more compassionate. They make me more empathetic. They also make me really a lot less stuck to outcomes in life. Right. And I think that's a huge one. Like, honestly, Danny, you know this. I could be living anywhere on any given continent at any point in time. If I get the call, I'm gone. And that is something that I've developed because I understand that, you know, life is not guaranteed and where I'm going to be at is not guaranteed either. Stuff is going to happen. And so I'm just open to the experiences and what life is going to bring me. And I'm not attached to how that's supposed to look. I love that. The, the, the lessons that I've learned from all those ups and downs. Listen, I'll, I'll be talking about them a lot once I go live again on, on social media, which is still pending <laughs> the end of the summer. But yeah, no, it's like, it's always, always, I try to tell and press on people the fact that even in the, the, the most difficult and just heart crushing tragedies, there's a lesson and there's something positive for you to bring into the rest of your life. And that's one of my big ones, but there's, there's something in there for each and every one of us to learn and to be better. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you, you kind of said it too. Like, we have to stop being tied to the outcome mm-hmm. of things and the way that we want things to work because, you know, both of us are entrepreneurs. We both left quote unquote good jobs and, and we're paid a decent amount of money to pursue our passions and our desire to, to help people kind of become the best versions of themselves. And most people wouldn't understand that. And, and they were, you know, I've had people that say, why'd you leave that good job and all these kinds of things. And, and I think, we, we have to stop being tied to the outcome of how things should work because if you're not tied to the outcome and it's just like, I'm going to make this leap of faith or I'm going to see who I become on this journey, that's different than just saying, I want things to go this way. And, and that's what I love about you. You're not tied to the outcome of things. You're, you're more about the adventure and who you're going to become and what you learn. And I think more of us have to learn to embrace that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, think of it like this, Danny. I mean, you've known me for since high school, right? So <laughs> did you ever think in a million years, number one, like like we both lived in Toronto and meet up in San Francisco of all things, <laughs> and that like we'd be connected while I'm living in Saudi Arabia and all these like these 
these things that have happened in our lives, would either one of us have imagined them? Like I can say, honestly, I didn't, but what I did know is that whatever I'm going to do in my life is going to be cool and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to enjoy every single ounce of it. And so (laughs) that's literally all I live for is that I'm going to be ready when that call comes, I'm going to be ready. And that's another thing for all of us to remember is if you decide to be an entrepreneur or founder or want to like be out on your own, you always got to be ready. And Danny, we talk about this all the time. You got to be ready. So what? You show up, you're ready in a heartbeat. You got all your ducks lined up. You're ready to just go. What, what needs to be done? Let's just dive in. And I think that's something that's super important for anyone who just wants to live their best life. Yeah, and, and, and not necessarily ready to just move, but like ready for opportunities, ready to take exactly. action on your goals and your dreams. Like if you feel like you're being pulled or called towards something, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a yeah. new career, whether it's starting your own business, whatever that calling is, you have to answer the call. Absolutely. And so many of us are, we focus on the how, like I can't do that, I don't know how, as opposed to the why, why are you be, being called towards that? And I think that's the thing for, for a lot of us, that we just have to forget the, forget, I don't know how, or I don't know how this is going to work out. If you feel like you're being pulled towards something, you have to answer that call. Absolutely. So we got about four, four or five minutes, you know, before we kind of start to wrap up. But like, you know, you've already given lots of great advice to people, but like, there's a lot of people who right now who might be feeling stuck or feeling lost in life or, you know, feeling like they've fallen off track or um, and really trying to find something that they're passionate about. Like, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to find something that they're passionate about or something that inspires them? Right. Well, the first thing I'd say is, like, literally, like, there we got the internet. There are so many inspirational people that you can find online. Know what characteristics you're looking for. Like, if you might not be the most confident person and you want to be more confident, you know, do a Google search, confidence, focus speakers, and find someone online who speaks about, you know, what they're doing or practices that you can have. So I'd say try to find some great people who you connect with. you got to really connect with their energy, though, in order for things to sink in. Um, And then the next thing is, I mean, the fact that they're tuning into your show is a great thing. You've got people like Danny and then, you know, um, other like people who are here to support you down your journey and help you find what helps you to light up, reach out and ask for help. Mm. And one of the things that I know that Danny and I do, and we talk about this all the time, is about the importance of having your network that supports you. Now, Danny also knows there's a handful of people that I really, if I need like just listen just i just need to reconnect with who i am and my energy it doesn't have to be a lot of people in some cases it could just be one but make sure that you have people that you can call on who will remind you of how amazing you are yes and you need to cultivate and love and cherish those relationships like those are your people and make sure that you do the same for them but i'd say the, you know you've got quite a few options but you know at That's the really end of the great. day, the goal is to have people that you can count on through thick and thin. I love that. I call it find your life support network, the people Absolutely. that support you throughout your life. So we're going to wrap up in a minute. But before we kind of do that, I like to kind of just end with one question before you tell people where they can find you. Or two sure. questions. 
two questions. So what, what does grind mean to you? What does it mean to grind? Grind means you do whatever it takes for you to make sure that you hit that goal that you're going after. And it means literally you're putting your everything into what it is you're doing. So you don't half step it. You don't just kind of, no, you're like, you're going to bring your A game. You're going to bring your A game and you're going to be all in it. So when I think of grind, that's what that means to me. Bring your A game, be all in it, be ready to chase, go after, make that call, reach out, do whatever you need to do that gets you a step closer to your goal. That's grinding to me. I love that. And what about gratitude? What is gratitude for you? Ah, gratitude is life. Gratitude is what helps you stay on track. And like, it's the lifeblood of like happiness to me. It really is. You, You got gratitude in your life then you're going to be reminded of all the love that's in your life. Wow. Wow. That is it, man. That was great. Thanks so much, Tash. That was awesome. Thanks for I love your me, answers Danny. for grinding gratitude. That's amazing. So where can people find you? Let people know where they can find you, reach out to you, connect with you. Absolutely. So even though if you go on my post, it hasn't been up to date, but Let's hope it will be within the next couple of weeks. It will be. Um, easiest thing is on Instagram. I'm at your Tash. So that's Y-O-U-R-T-A-S-H. And you can't miss the big hair and the bright colors. You'll see and you'll know it's me. <laughs> well, you know, make sure you go and you follow Tash. As you can see, she's amazing. She comes with that energy you know, lots of life lessons and uh, she's definitely somebody you need to follow. So thanks so much for tuning in to the Grind and Gratitude Show. Thanks for Tash Jeffries for coming in. I am Danny Stone and I'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for being my co-host on this episode of the Grind and Gratitude Show. I really appreciate you. I hope that you learned something and you're motivated to take action and get on your grind. Didn't that go by fast? If you want more, head over to grindinggratitude.com for show notes and information about this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a rating so more people will know to tune in. And let me leave you with this. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it.